Welcome to the Just Go Grind podcast. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, the Director of Marketing at Vitalize Venture Capital. On today's episode, we have DP, CEO and co-founder of Soul Savvy. He's a sneaker enthusiast and entrepreneur with a passion for building community-first businesses that empower consumers. In 2018, DP co-founded Soul Savvy to address the challenges and growing frustration sneaker consumers face amidst a booming resale economy. Soul Savvy provides community tools and technologies to help fans connect and buy sneakers at retail and has grown to one of the world's largest paid sneaker communities. We had DP on the show previously. He came back after a lot of progress in the last year or two since we've chatted and a lot of fun recording this episode. Let's dive in. DP, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back, man. Oh, it's exciting to be back, and I'm gonna start in a little funny, funny place here you didn't know about. So I listened to the old episode we did about a year and a half ago, and okay. you said you had 400 sneakers at that time. Yes, Ooh. A year and a half. How many are you up to now, Dion? <laughs> oh, shit, is my <laughs> wife gonna listen to this? Um, the the official number I've been throwing out is 500, but that's like a blatant lie. Um, <laughs> I think honestly, I think I'm up to 600, but part of that has been um, I've been buying things to hold on into my collection for, you know, our marketplace, which, which we can talk about, but, um, I'm at, I'm at an easy 500, which is silly to say in a pandemic <laughs> when you don't leave your house very much that I added another hundred pairs of shoes to my collection. I think it makes the most sense though. Right. In, in a pandemic. I mean, what other time would you add that many shoes? I'm uh, wearing, I'm wearing <laughs> sneakers in the office right now. At the Do you office. like switch every hour then? Yeah. <laughs> just like, it's no, a new time. <laughs> no, I need good standing shoes and, and, you know, these haven't, these haven't set foot outside yet. So, um, it's good to give them the, the, the house, house sneakers. Obviously from that, people know you are very, very, very much so passionate about sneakers, which makes so much sense for Soul Savvy. Yep. People have a little context from the intro I'll do for this as well, but Soul Savvy grew a lot uh, in the last you know year and a half since we chatted, yep. raised a $12.5 million round. Take me through the growth just in the last year and a half. What's been the growth of Soul Savvy? Where are you at today? Yeah, we are, man, I'm trying to think when, when we talked how many members we had, but it was maybe... 2000 i feel like if it was in the in the summer of 2020 um right now we're we're at 7000 members across north america and canada uh it's been a crazy journey i'm um, just learning as a as a ceo um a founder uh, running a team and, and having that many customers put us through the fire um i i think through the majority of our growth around the series a we had 10 employees um, we're now we're now at fifty, so we're like we're staffed up from a from a community standpoint, a customer experience standpoint, onboarding, and you know building out our product engineering teams. It is it it is hard work, um, but it's very rewarding, and we've been building 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 since the A now for for seven months, and we're kind of we're getting ready again to you know pour a little fire on the on the growth <laughs> engine and uh, show people what we're made out of. You know, being on the venture side of it, I'm always aware of that every single time now. I'm like, okay, where are we in the cycle? They announced it here, which means they raised before here. So we know they're coming back to another another time uh, to yeah, yeah. raise, like, you know, grow if they want to. And exactly. obviously it's great to have that that growth. The numbers are, you know, doing well with that. You mentioned the team thing. I know I'd heard in our show, you, you said 50, 50 members on the team. Just take me through that growth thing. Hiring is like one of the hardest things founders do. For you, yeah. how has it been? Take me through more of that side of things. Um, you know, I learned on the fly. Right. I, I hired my first 20 employees without someone in people and culture. And I will give a shout out to, to sure my my um, chief people officer, who's been a blessing to have on the team from that perspective um, to you know guide, guide me, guide the company through through that team growth. But the first 
first 20 was really on on myself and my COO. And, um, you know, you 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 hire, you make mistakes. Um, people leave, people go. That's just the evolution of a company. And um, again, we had to we had to learn on the fly. We, we hired a bunch of great people who are now just coming up on on their first year. Um, those shares are starting to vest. Um, it, it's a great experience to be building that team. And, but, you know, ultimately from the beginning, the approach I took was um, finding people that I really believe want to be here for the long run, who aren't looking at it from the perspective of like, hey, they just raised a bunch of money. You know, if I stick around for two years, this, this and that, maybe they'll sell. Like, I didn't want that to be the driver. So we're really looking for people who aligned with us. And um I learned very quickly to start scaring people off in the interview process. Um, like literally, by, if we thought we were going to hire them, I'd sit them down for the last 30 minutes and just be like, so let me give you a dose of reality. This is what it is. <laughs> because, you know, people, they want to be at a startup. They think a startup is, is what's, what's for them, but not everyone's built for that, right? Yeah. And, and that's, that, that's why I say by scaring them off, right? It was a litmus test of like, are you built for this? Are you built for this journey? Because I saw someone tweeted this. Um, it was... It was something like working at a startup is the founder jumps off a cliff without a parachute and you're attached to his legs trying to build the parachute so you all don't come crashing down at the bottom. And I love that analogy because like it's very ex extreme. It's uh, it's obviously not exactly like that, but it paints the picture of like this isn't a place to come sit and put your feet up and just yeah. clock in, clock out. Like we are building, we're getting shit done and you need to be ready for that battle. Otherwise, you're just going to drown with that too you mentioned you're building shit obviously you have some fun that you can do things you can branch out and expand the marketplace you have the peer-to-peer -peer marketplace take mm -hmm. me through that the evolution you've been thinking of that in the, in the first place and more about that too yeah yeah so you know what we wanted to build at soul savvy was a an end-to-end -end experience right for someone who's who's passionate interested about sneakers we wanted to have the whole experience done, which is content community uh, point of sale and how we help you purchase product. And at the end of that is is a peer to peer marketplace. Um, we didn't have that marketplace when we spoke. It was something you know I've been talking about for a while. Um, I wanted that whole thing because if you're a fanatic of of sneakers, um, you can join and find value at different points. Um, you might value community today. Tomorrow you might value the fact that you can buy and sell us uh, and trade a sneaker. So I wanted to create that for the fanatic. But then for someone who's more of a casual uh, consumer, you know, you can find different entry points and then we can nurture you and really show you what the whole industry is made out of and, and collect um, is really a big part of that. Um, to simplify it, it's, it's a peer-to-peer -peer marketplace. Um, you can buy, sell and trade sneakers, which um, no other marketplace really does. Um, but also on top of that, it's, a, it's supposed to be a social experience, right? You can show off your, your collection. Um, so you can upload shoes to your profile that you don't even, you're not even selling. Right. So I can say, hey, you know, you can see my office wall, my sneakers behind me. Yes. These aren't for sale, but here's my pro here's my soul savvy profile. Here's what I have available. And um, well, not even available, it's not listed for sale, but this is what I own. This is who I am as yeah. a collector, right? Because too many, obviously almost all marketplaces, um, you know, I think decision making um and success is defined by defined by GMB and and I want to build something that's again that's more social and um it's it's about maybe it's just daily active rate through a subscription. How long has that been in the works? Just for context for you know, founders who are thinking about so many decisions and they wonder, I always wonder in the back end, like, how did this come about? Take me through that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we kicked off the project in um, basically April of 2021. So we've been okay. building like crazy, um, coming up on a year now. We have to cheat a little bit. 
um, we had to design <laughs> and code at the same time to meet my deadlines, uh, which obviously has has its trade offs and um, you know speed speed and, and go to market is important for me. So um, I wanted to prove that this is something that works that our audience wants and that makes sense. And then let's polish that. Let's improve upon it. You know, we have a community. We have a feedback loop. We can use yeah. it. Um, I think normally it probably would have taken most companies, you know, maybe 16, 18 months, and we're going to get it done in nine to 10. <laughs> um, so it was, it was, a, it was a rush. Now, for people who didn't listen to the first one, first of all, listen to the first, first episode we did, because in there, I know you mentioned around no code tools you're using in the beginning, testing it yep. super cheap and easy, you know, not having to spend a half a million dollars to develop a product yep. before you even know if it has demand, like that ethos, I imagine takes it to now where you have some resources, let's move quickly, let's just build it and get the feedback because you have so many customers already, as you mentioned. And yep. one of the things I'm wondering about too, because you mentioned in the beginning that you know 7,000 or something yep. uh, customers, members now, what are the complexities on the community side in terms of managing that, nurturing that, all that? Is it the, you know, is it the same as when you had the 2,000? Is it like slightly different? Is it you know step magnitudes more? I'm just curious on that too. Yeah, it's only slightly different, right? And um, it's because we do cohorts. So we don't actually have 7,000 members all in one chat talking. That is the worst <laughs> imaginable idea. I, I yeah. just, the idea of doing that right now makes me um, cringe a little bit. Um, it's just too many people talking. It's not a fun experience. Um, I've kind of likened it to, um, you know, a Reddit that you're not a part of that you try to get into and there's too many people talking. And you yeah. don't know how to find your voice and find your, you know, how you're going to fit in with that community. So we've done cohorts. Um, so it, it hasn't been, um, hasn't been challenging, but we have, to, we have to learn along the way of, you know, how do we go from onboarding 100 customers in a month, which, you know, easy to 1500 in a month um, at, at peak growth, right? So, <laughs> you know, we've learned, we've learned a lot, we've tested a lot. And um, some of that is, is just human mechanics. I think a lot of people look at community and go, oh, we'll automate it. It requires bodies. It requires people on the other side of that who like actually give a shit, yeah. and 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 can you know engage with those people in an in an honest and real way. And um, yeah, we just had to learn on the learn on the fly. But uh, it didn't change too much again because everyone's in their independent groups, so we kind of operate that um, that way. What are the mechanics of that? You know, they, are they able to at all communicate with the the whole you know membership? Are they every is every month you bring on more people? Like just tactically, more of that? I would be curious about. Yeah. So. Um, Prior to January, they could never communicate outside of their cohort and their community. Gotcha. It was always just them within. And we started doing more events and people would meet cross community and be like, hey, that guy, like, who, where's this guy that I could be friends with in New York City or, or in L.A.? Um, yeah. We just um, made the jump to um, Slack uh, Enterprise Grid. So the whole community is on a grid. You can think of it like, like a city. Um, and ultimately, it, we're figuring out the mechanics of how do we open up some of those things, right? So one way we've done it is if you live in Los Angeles, you have a shared channel across all the communities where you can connect with people in LA and in New York. And then the other one is just in your size, right? You are, a, I'm a size 11. I would love to talk to other people who are my size because inherently we might trade or buy, you know, things will happen. Yeah. Right? It's a good place to be. There's a, there's a sub there's a shared interest in sneakers and then there's, there's the shared interest of like where we live and what shoe size we are. Yeah. Um, that's where we're experimenting. We've tried some larger, we tried a giant chat with everyone and it did, uh, it didn't, didn't go too well. 
<laughs> um, so we reverted back, um, but we're trading carefully, right? Community dynamics and scaling that. Um, I don't think there's an answer for that. I don't think anyone's truly done it successfully. And I think we have the formula, but we're trying to test the boundaries of what we can do. Okay. We rarely talk about you know things that don't go well. You said it, having everyone in one chat was like yeah. terrible. Like, was it like a day and you're like, this is, this is just fucked. Like we're, we can't do this. Was it like a month? You're like, oh, maybe we should stop it. Like, well, take me through that. It was about a week. It was a week. And, and the premise was just, you know, transparently, it was a shared links channel where all members could share links across sneakers. We thought, hey, the more people sharing links to things that are relevant, the better off we're going to be. But what happened was every community has a different feel and interest in way they interact. So when they all came colliding together, <laughs> it was a collision and uh, they just, they just didn't work. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't a common interest of like, I'm a size 11. I'm from LA. It was like, here's a bunch of shit I like. Here's a bunch of shit you like. And it just, it just yeah. didn't mesh. Right. And we had, we had to try that to just see what the dynamics of community would be like in that situation. But um, yeah, we gave that a week and we just, we just <laughs> went right back. <laughs> DP, I, ima I imagine this being like, you throwing some like Portland Trailblazer stuff in the community, me throwing my Bucks stuff in the community. It would be like, what the hell? Like, yeah, I don't it, care about, yeah. It, <laughs> it, it's even like Canadians and Americans oh, and East Coast and West Coast. And it was honestly, it was, it was, the, it was a funny nuance to community that like even someone listening to this might be, might be thinking, what is this guy talking about? Just, just shut up. It's not that serious. It really, you have to see it to, to understand it and feel it. And uh, that was one of those things, the team, we all felt it instantly. We're like, yeah, this is not going to work. But we're like, let's give it a week. And then we'll hit the we'll hit the revert button. Yeah, that makes sense. I appreciate yeah. you sharing that context as well. And this yeah. is all, obviously, this is online. You're communicating there. And then you've built this huge community. These are real sneakers we're talking about. I want to know about more about this Web3, NFTs, the things that are going on are really interesting uh, in this space, especially in the last year and a half. I mean, since we chatted, that wasn't really a thing. So mm -hmm. talk to me about how you guys are involved with that. How are you even thinking about that at Soul Savvy? Yeah, I've been following the the space pretty closely since February 2020. Um, sorry, February, February 2021. The years and months. The right, last, year, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's just a complete mess to me. No, I've been following the, the Web3 NFT space since um, February 2021. It's always caught my interest because I, I could just see the value it offered and the innovation that was going to come from it. So, you know, NBA Top Shot, I'm, I'm a big fan. It just modernizes trading cards that it's, it's just perfection, in my opinion. Um, and the other things have been popping up, et cetera, et cetera. So I've just been watching and I realized through through those months that Soul Savvy is a, a Web3 company just transitioning from web to right we're, we're community-based we're about people yeah. who who have a shared interest um they want to build together they want to see you know a new future in sneakers that they can be a part of and and what they want to see built is what we want to build for them right now it's not a DAO specifically but the the idea of that is there right so we're kind of we're trying to figure how we can i think a lot of people are jumping into the web3 space like butt naked into the pool yeah. um and i'm like let me just dip my toe and um, make sure it's safe, right? Because <laughs> I, I think that transition um, can be dangerous and it's appealing to a lot of different new founders, current companies, like, hey, it's the hot topic, right? Um, but what we're doing is we have a, I can't show you yet, it's on the ground. But we have a, we have a sneaker coming. Um, I'll show you offline. We have a sneaker coming. We're going to release it as an NFT. So the, the utility and the mechanism in the NFT is you can claim a physical sneaker. Alongside that, we're going to do some events, New York City, LA, you'll get access to our marketplace. Um, 
we're, we're, you know, we're doing the whole shebang, but I wanted to bridge those two worlds and not just say, here's a picture of a shoe that you can hold in your whatever account. Um, here's an actual shoe we're going to ship to you. And here's the utility and the value that comes with that. And, um, I'm excited to launch that for our community, for the people who've never heard of us. And, um, you know, we're partnering with, with crypto.com for that release. So it's going to be a lot of fun. That's the one piece of it in terms of NFTs that people, I think if you don't get it, but then you say that exact thing you mentioned there, it has utility for something else as well tied to it. Then people start to get it. It seems like because once you have that, you're like, oh, okay, I get it now. Like if you look at like board API club on the, the, you know, this, the surface, you're like, what is this? It's like monkeys or something. Like you don't get it, but you realize the events you get into are other things that could tie to a community. Yeah. At the surface, it's, it's a JPEG picture of a monkey. Yeah. Um, but it's also the coolest membership card currently in, in tech, arguably. And everyone go. is buying in to be a part of that because they get access to the mobile game, the event, whatever it is that, that the board Ape, um, you know, crew is doing. And that's, yeah. you know, I, I'll also say there's so much crap out there that anyone yeah. listening to this is going NFTs are a scam. There's definitely a bunch of scams. You just got to be smart sure. about <laughs> what you're navigating, but there's a lot of thoughtful things and a lot of innovation that's going to come from it. And, I'm excited to figure out how we can be a part of that, but also learn from companies like Royal, which is doing, you know, music licensing um, and, you know, owning a piece of an, of, of Nas's song to me is just the fucking coolest thing ever. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of good stuff happening and, um, I, you know, we're going to take our, our foray into it with um, a sneaker NFT. Yeah. I'll give a shout out to my, my friend Harrison, who runs a company called Unblocked. They just raised another like 10 plus million dollars for their NFT company, nice. uh, doing interesting things in music. I think they have Dapper Labs behind them as well, I want to say. Nice. Uh, so huge ones on that side. And then also my cousin Travis, who has a their, their company in terms of sports figures, what they have. And so they're also thinking about NFTs and what they can do with that. Same having physical products, like you mentioned. So yeah. I'm always curious about, about that. I should connect you to, I feel like actually. Uh, but it's always an interesting thing when you think about that physical to the digital and how that connection is yeah we're, we're humans at the end of the day um as much as we're enjoying the meta and the digital and the avatars and all that stuff i'm still gonna go home and kick it on my couch and i'm gonna want a feeling i want to i'm gonna want things that make me feel like a real person in real life right and again yeah events fit things i can touch people are taking their top shot cards and and or top shot moments and then having displayed in, in person like we're never gonna get away from that <laughs> The PFP projects with toys now are, or sorry, the PFP project that looks like toys are printing toys. Like it just, it makes sense. It's a great bridge yeah. and um, I'm excited to see where things go. Yeah. I know we're almost, almost out of time. I have, one thing I have to ask about is partnerships. You have 76ers, you have the Portland Trailblazers, you have FanDuel. Take me through getting some of those partnerships. Uh, you can specifically talk about <laughs> Trailblazers if you want and what that kind of entails and what you're doing with those as well. Yeah, it was, it was one of those things that, um, you know, sports and sneakers go hand in hand. It's, it's the right audience. Right. And as far as building a, a brand, um, with longevity, cosigns from two stories franchises are, are super important. Right. Um, that alone can bring value to who we are. Um, on top of that, there's massive digital rollout, um, across social media, um, Facebook <laughs> yeah. sweepstakes locally that we have access to. It, it was really a brand brand building opportunity for us. Um, and I think you'll see a lot in the sneaker space. There's not many companies that get to partner with these NBA teams. It's very limited. And for us to be able to do that, um, you know, as a young company, it uh, says a lot about what we're building and what we're striving for. And, you know, again, having that cosign is, is super important because it all started with MJ, right? And and this space is, is going to be, it's going to be like this forever. Basketball, sneakers, sports as well, obviously football. Um, yeah. 
just in general, right? It just makes a lot of sense for crossover and audience building. And um, that's what drove um, that decision-making. Diving a little deeper, because we can't just gloss over the fact that you're a partner with the 76ers and the Trailblazers. Yes. What, I, I, did you target them specifically? Was it like, we're going to blast a bunch of people and like well, every every team and just see what happens? Like, yeah, I, I need to more more about this, this partnership. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was strategic. Um, we looked at Eastern Conference, Western Conference, mm-hmm. and we looked at kind of the cities and the regions, the teams, what made business sense, what made audience sense. So from the, you know, from the 76ers perspective, winning franchise, star player, great history, great sneaker culture as well. A lot of great stores there. Um, but it's a, it's a hub, right. To the Tri-State area, you know, we get the attention, uh, of, of New York and Boston and Brooklyn and like, it's not direct attention, but we're close enough in the region, right. That it does matter. Right. So that, that helps with, with, um, that was part of the decision-making there. And then with the Blazers is, um, Nike and Jordan is the home of Portland. Um, I am a, a Blazers fan. I told, <laughs> I told the the partnerships team when I sat them down, I was like, you guys don't need to convince me. You need to convince my team. Um, and it was just a matter of like, you know, building out a, a package and that made sense for, for both sides. Right. And again, Portland in with Nike and just the, the history there is so important to, to us as a company and, and business development and, and all that fun stuff. So it was really just rooting ourselves on both sides of the coast. Um, that made business sense. Like, obviously, the Lakers are awesome. I am a Series A founder, not Series C. So we we yeah. don't have um, we don't have Lakers budget. <laughs> well, wait until that comes full circle, right? Off of the beginning of the company when you're like in, in LA for the All Star game, right? Like that's going to happen eventually. It's going to yeah, be such yeah, a I mean, full circle moment. We're going to Cleveland for All Star weekend next week. We're throwing a a, a big party and um, viewing party. We're partnering with Baron Davis um, and, and his nice. company. We're doing a bunch of fun stuff for, for the culture, for the locals, and. Um, Again, just putting on um, for for the community. Okay, last thing, real quick, because I know it happened today. The trade deadline, NBA, was today as we're recording this. Yes, yes. Take, take me through your thoughts on Ben Simmons trade, and then you're also your Portland Trailblazers with McCollum before. I I support what the Blazers have done as a franchise. Okay. It was it was time to kind of rebuild. Um, I know I've made bets. I said Lillard, Lillard ain't going nowhere, but. Um, <laughs> You know, rebuilding around him right now while he's in his prime is important. I think I think the team will get that done because they know what it means to the, to the city. Uh, from the 76ers perspective, Joel Embiid is crushing it. And I just yeah. don't think you can look at a situation where the team is that good missing a star player that you're going to, I feel like, squander that season. So making any trade is a good trade. And if you're going to bring in James Harden, I mean, let's go. Yeah, I... I... <clears throat> I immediately saw that and thought, they, yeah, the same thing around. You never know what Joel Embiid in terms of his injuries. Obviously, he's had that before. Their team, how good they're playing without, again, like yeah. a top player, which should be. And yeah. as a Bucks fan, I'm just looking at like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, not, it's, it's a little scary uh, to have I him. Think, then come. <laughs> yeah, I think both teams made up pretty good. I think it's a win oh, for yeah. the Nets. I think it's a win for, for the 76ers, which you as a Bucks fan. It's going to make the, the road to the finals again a lot tougher. <laughs> It's going to be fun to watch. Let's put it that yeah. way. DP, where's the best place for people to find you online and connect with you and learn more about Soul Savvy? Yeah, um, you can find me DP1616, um, literally everywhere on social media. Um, but more importantly, Soul Savvy, uh, S-O-L-E-S-A-V-Y.com, um, 1V. Uh, again, uh, website, social media is all the same, Soul Savvy. Um, if you're into sneakers, curious, interested, come check us out. We're building a great platform that, again, like end-to-end, um, we'll help you through that through that journey. 
um, in, in this sneaker world. Perfect. Thank you so much for the time today, DP. All right, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. If you want to follow along on the socials for all things Just Go Grind and with me as well, you can find Just Go Grind on Instagram and Twitter at Just Go Grind. You can find me on Twitter at JustinGordon212. Find me on Instagram, JustinGordon8. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.